This is fun. The issue is I won't know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to our all new season of this podcast. We've been going for an entire year. This is unbelievable, and here we are actually today live with a live audience and a Zoom audience. This year's podcast and class, we're going to be calling the, what's it called? Um, The, one second, I got to take a look at what it's called. Forgot what it's called. Hold on, hold on, just a little suspense. Suspense is a good thing. The Guide to Existence. And we are going to be exploring not only the weekly Torah portion, but this year we're going to be focusing on the mitzvahs, the mitzvahs that appear in, each, in the Torah portion each week. So we're going to try to focus on a different mitzvah each week. And uh, in that way, you're not only going to learn about a little bit of the secrets of, and the stories and the wisdom of the Torah, but also the practical, a little bit of the practical meaning behind the mitzvahs according to Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism and Hasidus. So whoever's excited, uh, you should be. I just got a text today from someone who said he's been listening to my podcast all year. Someone from Rage Philly, who I met from our online program at the beginning of the year. And he said he's gotten dozens of, at least half a dozen friends to to sign up and start listening to the podcast. So this is very exciting. And I want to also begin by starting out once again, just to say a big thank you to my friend um, Chaim Chernoff at jewishpodcasts.something. It's not org. It's, no, it's something else. It's like... Dot news. No. US no. No, it's dot something. And uh, for setting us up on this podcast and also for all the things they do to help us. And they have a new app called Yidpod. And uh, you can download Yidpod and uh, then you can have access to all sorts of different Jewish podcasts, including this one. So, um, all right, so let's get started. You guys ready? All right. So I want to start. This is just unbelievable that we're starting the Torah. We just finished the Torah. For those of you who were in shul on Simchas Torah, which was yesterday, we finished reading the Torah at the end. And uh, so Jews don't get a vacation. So what do we do right after we finish? We flip to the beginning. We roll the scroll back and we start from the very beginning. And for anyone who's ever read the Torah, how does the Torah start? The creation of the world, Bereshit. What's the first word? In English? Uh, in the beginning. In the beginning. We start at the beginning. That's where we should start. That's where any good, normal book would start, is in the beginning. It's problematic, though, because in the beginning, for Jews, would be what letter? By the way, Torah scrolls, Torah's open the other way. So, <laughs> Aleph. It should start with an Aleph. The first letter. The Hebrew Bible said it starts with what letter? A base. So if you want to find out a little bit of deep stuff into that, you got to listen to last year's podcast on Bereshit. We'll find out why the Torah starts with a base and not with an olive, but that's not for today. Okay? So I do, I'll, maybe we'll do it at the end after we turn off the recording. Okay. So what is the Torah? That's really what I want to discuss a little bit tonight. What is Torah? The whole book. Wow. It's like how to live life. Julia is good because she comes to every single rage class. She knows everything. There's nothing I can say that she doesn't know. So the Torah is essentially, what does the word Torah mean? Instruction. Instructions. Torah is instruction manual. Instructions for what? 
life. Instructions for life. Torah's Chaim means an instruction manual for life. Torah Ora, Torah light, or Torah is a guide. So the Torah is a guide to life, how to live life to its fullest, and how to actually achieve the purpose of creation. The Zohar says that God looked into the Torah to create the world. The world wasn't, didn't exist and then God wrote the Torah based upon... No, the Torah is the instruct, the DNA, the blueprint for creation. That's why we called last year's podcast the DNA of creation. But this year's podcast is called... I forgot again. Something about... Guide to... Guide to... Guide existence. The guide to existence. So, because we're going to talk now about not what what is the DNA of creation, but now what's the, how do we ourselves can attach ourselves to the purpose of existence? So it's, we're going to really focus on the practical, on the, on the idea of mitzvahs. So Rashi, the very first Rashi, Rashi is like the most basic commentator on the Torah, okay? Basic. So we don't have, um, oh, so you have it actually here written down here in the notes. So if you open up to page two, Page two. This one also starts on the letter two. Letter two, right? So Rashi, the very first note at the bottom. So Rashi asks a question. Rashi says, why does the Torah begin with Bracious, with in the beginning? So this whole book, the first book of the five books of Moses, is the story of Bracious, which is the creation of the world, and Parshas Noah, the story of Noah and the flood and how the world basically began, the different uh, nations of the world, and then Abraham... And the, and the generations of the Jewish people eventually into the descent into Egypt. Right? Twelve tribes eventually going down into Egypt. And Rashi says, really, the Torah shouldn't have begun here. Because if the Torah is essentially a book of mitzvahs, so the Torah really should have begun when we were in Egypt and we received the very first mitzvah as a Jewish nation. So why does the Torah start now? At Bracious. So what do you guys think? What, what's the advantage of starting the Torah at creation and the history of the Jewish people as opposed to jumping into the mitzvahs? Participatory. So we know there's a backstory to it. All right, and what's the importance of the backstory? That, uh, oh, the creator. Oh, that there's a creator, right? We have to know that there's a creator, right? Very important to know that there's a creator. Why? Because without that, there's no mitzvahs, right? Why would you want to follow Right. So in fact, it's a, it's a demachlokis. It's a debate between the Rambam, Maimonides, and the Ramban, Nachmanides, not to be confused with Maimonides or your Maimonides, right? Nachmanides says... One second... Maimonides says that the first mitzvah is to believe in a God. Nachmanides Ramban, he himself doesn't... Actually, okay, it's not really a debate between them because he, he, I think he really agrees with Maimonides, but he brings a different opinion and says, Why, how can you have a mitzvah to believe in God? How could I... What's, what's problematic about giving us a mitzvah to believe in God? So far, the girls are winning. So... <laughs> Okay, so that's a question on a lot of mitzvahs. Yeah. How can I command you to love God? How can I command you to love other Jews? 
How can I command you to fear God? How can I command you to be happy on Sukkot? Talked about that last week. So, what's problematic about commanding you to believe in God? Know that he's the creator and to like not make you maybe believe in like idols and stuff. Something. Should we double date? We have two guys and two girls. Oh, three guys. Sorry, three guys. We need another girl. Can you guys get another girl to join? <laughs> um, Ask, call your call that girl Rebecca, the one who's always on. <laughs> that's true. I don't know where she's at tonight. I'm using my phone, so I can't text. Um, so. Think about it. What is the problematic? Why is it absolutely axiomatically problematic and absurd for the Torah to command you to believe in God? Maybe because we can't see Him. Um, and therefore, what? What's problematic there? Like, how can somebody command us to believe in something that we cannot see? So, can I speak out what you might be saying? Does anyone yeah. want to expound on what she might be getting at? Okay, God created the Torah. And if I, if I say, here, I just found this in the woods. It's the Book of Mormon. And it says you have to believe in the Book of Mormon. What's the question you're going to ask? Who wrote this? Who wrote it? I said, God wrote it. It says right here, God wrote it. What are you going to say? What God or where is he? Who's God? And how do I know he wrote it? So says the Ramban, how can I command you to believe in me? If you don't believe in me, then my commandments are meaningless. You can't command someone to listen to you if they don't already believe that you're worth listening to. And all the more so is if you don't exist. You guys get that? So... So, first of all, we have to know there's a God. And the Torah goes through and expresses that. And, of course, the Torah itself is not a proof in itself. Just like I said, how, how do I know God wrote the Torah? So that requires more investigation and more discussion. But we have to know that there's a God and that God created the world. And that's the way the Torah starts. Because many other uh, belief systems, including, first and foremost, the ancient Greeks, believe that the world was always here. And again, we talked about this about a lot last year in, in this week's Parsha, that uh, for thousands of years, Jews were saying there was a beginning. It says it on page one of our book. There was a beginning, there was a beginning. The Greeks say, no, the world was always here. And that was the biggest disproof. And these backwards Jews going around saying there was a beginning until what came around and showed that we were right in the 20th century? Big Bang. Comes the Big Bang and proves, we don't need their proof, but it proves what we've been saying all along. So, we need to know there's a God. And that's what Rashi says. Rashi says, we need to know that there's a God who created the world and therefore can choose, and this is very political, happens to be, or, or politically incorrect, maybe. Rashi, first Rashi in the Torah says, why was the Torah begin with Bracious? Because someday the nations of the world are going to come and say, you stole the land of Israel. Is that crazy? And so the Torah begins with Bereshit to show that God created the world. He can give the land to whoever he wants. I mean, think about like prophecy. It's true. Wow. The first Rashi says that. Nation okay. of the world. Is that crazy? 
So that's number one. That's one, one advantage to the Torah beginning here. What's another advantage? What, are, what do you think some other advantages of having this, the beginning themes of the Torah? And if you're familiar with them, it'll help. If not, then, then we'll discuss further. But what else do we gain from the Bereshis, which the Ramban calls Sefer Yitzira, the book of formation? The why? The why! Ah! Purpose! Why are we here? Why did God create a world? And again, some of these things are clear, and some of them are hidden, and we need Kabbalah, and we need the Talmud and the Oral Torah to expound on the purpose, the meaning of life. But first we need to know there's a God. And then the very next question is why? Right? The question of why are we here is a meaningless question if you don't believe in God. Right? Without a, an, a designer, there's no design. Right? So whenever people say, what's the meaning of life? That presupposes there is an intelligent design. Without an intelligent designer, there is no purpose. People don't get that. People are, say, I'm an atheist, but it's, it's not nice. It's wrong. It's wrong to eat meat. It's wrong to kill. Right? It's wrong to be a Zionist or whatever they claim is wrong. Uh, I think it was the table. So without a God telling you what's right and wrong or without a desire, some sort of intelligence or objectivity, you can call it something else, call it universal consciousness, but without something bigger that design, then there is no inherent purpose. So that's number two. And number three, what's something else that we learn from the stories of the forefathers of the Avos of Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and their, their incredible wives and the, the stories of the tribes? What else do we get from that? What? From from those stories? Yeah. Interpersonal relationships. Bingo! Interpersonal relationships. How to live. How to live like a Jew. How to live like an ideal human being. How to refine ourselves. By emulating the lives of the forefathers and foremothers. So, what I want to do tonight is two things. I want to open up the Torah and look at the first account of creation, of Adam. And there happens to be, there are two different accounts of creation of Adam. We're going to look at both of them. And uh, I'm going to pause the podcast so that we don't waste our time while we're looking at it and talking things out a little bit. And I'm going to send a snapshot to you two on Zoom. And then we're going to discuss a little bit about the possible purpose of creation based on whatever themes we can take out of the story of Adam being created. And I want you guys to come up with as many as you can. I came up with 13 purposes of creation that we can see from this story. And then we are going to uh, analyze those a little bit. And then we're going to explore the first mitzvah in the Torah, which actually does appear in this week's Parsha, which is a big question on Rashi, by the way. Rashi says the Torah should have started all the way in Shemos, in the, the second chapter of Shemos, which gives the first mitzvah of, I'm uh, sorry, the third chapter of Shemos. No, second, third, which gives the first mitzvah. But there actually are mitzvahs in, in Genesis. We have the first one in this week's Torah portions. Anyone know what the first mitzvah is in the Torah? Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And that's a big one. So there are many mitzvahs in, in, in these parshios. And we're going to explore how that is a paradigm for all other mitzvahs. Why that's the first one. Okay? So stay tuned. And I'm going to send you ladies a photo. Can you pause this? 
and just hold on one. Obviously, the next okay, guys. I read yet is Beef guys, we're coming buy. back. We're coming back together. We want to hear what you all came up with. Um, so what we've just done for the listeners is we've just spent a few minutes looking at uh, chapter one of the Torah of Genesis, verse twenty-six, that starts with "Let us make man in our image." Until and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day, which is verse thirty-one. Okay, and what we want to know is what what meanings, possible purposes, hints to the purpose of creation can we come up with? Why did God create the world? So, um, let's hear. Let's hear what you guys come up with. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's make a list of all the different possible meanings of creation that you guys came up with. Just eat, jump in. Eat more salads. Eat more salads. <laughs> Ari says to be a vegetarian. Okay. Responsibility. Responsibility. What do you mean? That uh, man is created, obviously, to enjoy all these other things and be a responsibility to, to use this world for good things. To use the world for good things. Somehow to be responsible. How do you see responsibility from the, from the verse? Like, where do you see that exactly? Just, uh, not specifically from the verse, just the fact that, you know, man is created first and all these things are created for man. So it's, it's a person's responsibility to use those ah, things. Because man is created last... You see that somehow everything is made for him. But it could mean responsibility or it could mean domination. But the word is uh, rule and what what does rule mean? Um, You could, you need to, if you're a dictator, you're not ruling, you're controlling. Ah. You're ruling. (laughs) Uh, If you're a a ruler, you need to be fair and have standards some sort. Excellent. So, so J- Jacob is saying, and this is very fascinating, and I think there's a proof for this from the text. Now, the Torah says to rule over, that God, man was created to rule over all the animals of the earth. And this was brought in the, uh, in the past century as, as a proof that, that the Torah is anti-environmentalist. And that the Torah gave, gave credence to Western man to destroy the world and to conquer the world. However, if you read one verse later, as Ari pointed out, it says you got to be a vegetarian. So what kind of dictator doesn't get to eat the things that he controls, right? So the answer is, is perhaps what Jacob's saying is that it doesn't mean to rule over the world as a dictator. It means rather to be responsible for the world, to be a steward of the earth as opposed to a tyrant. Excellent. Wait, what's the Hebrew word that's used? Rule. What is the... Oh. So it's very interesting. The word to rule, Rashi actually points out, is an interesting word. The word to rule is, how does someone find it for me? Vaharidu. Where is it? It does say to conquer, a kivshuha, that you have to conquer the world. But there's another word here that's brought, or do, which means to rule over. But it also had connotes being dominated by, descending, to go down. So Rashi points out that man can either rule if he lives according to his purpose, or he can be ruled by. And that's both. Both of those are. Man can be about. either greater than the animals, or he can be much less than the animals. And the Madras actually points this out also that it's an interesting thing that you guys all, that that Aaron just pointed out that Adam was created last. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I mean, like, who wants to be the last one at the, at the banquet? 
So Rashi also points out, and the, the, the Talmud points out, that Adam was created last because if he's merits, then the whole universe was created for him. He came to a set table. But if he doesn't merit, if he doesn't live according to his spiritual potential, then he's worse than the mosquito. He's the lowest thing. So what essentially what Rashi is teaching us, and, and, and the Talmud expounds, that Adam is created first and last. First, because his soul was created before creation. Last, his body was created last. Physically, we are much worse than the animals, despite the fact that we have opposable thumbs. Animals are better at almost everything than us. They're stronger, they're faster, the only thing that we have above the animals is our intellect, which enables us to use our opposable thumbs. Some of us. Our spiritual potential. If we live according to our spiritual potential, we use our physicality for what it's meant to be, we're much greater than animals. If we instead use our, phys- our intellect to indulge in physicality, and we live essentially like animals who are walk upright and have opposable thumbs, then we're much worse than animals because we're missing out on the sublime potential that a human being is capable of. Okay, any other? All right, ladies, what about you? What did you come up with? <laughs> well, one of them is for relationship. How do you see that? So there's some sort of a relationship with God going on here. And Jaylene also mentioned free will. What does it mean? You guys didn't mention this. Ladies got another, another point on you. What does it mean we're created in the image of God? What does that mean? So we have intellect. some of the commentaries say, and, the, and Rashi points out, we have intellect. Others say it means we have free will. And there are other explanations Kabbalistically also. But so somehow we are... A purpose, perhaps, of our life is to be in the image of God. And, to have, and, and as Jaylene pointed out, to have a relationship with God. What else? Julia. Anyone else? Uh, oh, n- night uh, comes before morning. Ooh. So, <laughs> night, night life. <laughs> the meaning, you know, I think what? the meaning of life is, is to choose the right path. Meaning, the meaning of life is to like choose the right path when you're bowing to the gate of the Holy of the Heart. I know we didn't say that, Julie, but to lift ourselves up spiritually and not like go lower. So, Julia, that challenge every day to make the right choice. As I already said, Julia, you, you know everything we're ever going to teach because of all the classes you come to. But I want to know what you see from the text. What do we learn about Adam directly from the text of the Torah? About the meaning of life. Anyone else? Here's a, here's a they, them. Ah, yeah, so, uh, so um, Ari's pointing out that we learned something about pronouns over here. What is it? He's a, both he and she. Adam is both he and she. Adam is a them. So the Torah is very contemporary. And that is, in fact, what the Talmud says is that Adam was created both male and female. And was only afterwards separated. So, uh, again... For more on that, listen to last year's podcast. 
but perhaps a purpose there could be then somehow what would be the purpose of life then based on that to uh, to get back he was whole and then he was not whole and then oh. to become whole again wow to become whole again to go back to your source of unity you know, far the top of, of harmony that's beautiful that's beautiful okay, so the meaning of life is to deliver like you were saying all over Oh, wow. So Julie says the meaning of life is somehow can bring spiritual into physical through procreation. To make more Jewish babies. To make more Jewish babies or non-Jewish babies because Adam wasn't Jewish. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. The first boy. You know, to make more babies. Very good. Okay, anyone else have anything else to share in this section? Because we're going to now move on to the second section. Wait, what, what does this mean, though, the evening and the morning part? So, so Jewish days begin at night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. Darkness always comes before the light. You can't appreciate light without darkness. You've got to go oh. through the night before you can arrive at the day. There's a lot to be said there. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that someday. All right, so ready to move on? Okay, so now we're going to be going, turning to... Chapter 2, verse 5 to 25. And we, I did skip in my notes, we skipped from, from 8 until 15. So you can read it, but don't get caught up in it, the description of the Garden of Eden. And let's just talk about Adam, okay? So uh, pause, Jacob. And, uh, and we'll come back to you. Okay, guys, we're back. And we've just taken a look at the second account of the creation of Adam. And I want to open up the floor to you guys to hear some of the themes you think are going on here. What, what else do we know about the meaning of life, the meaning of creation of Adam? Uh, we have maybe people have heard this idea before that you are not your body. It's a you are not liberal, your body. Wow. Liberal hashtag. That's deep. What does that mean? <laughs> Um, that our body is separate from our godly identity. Wow. How do you get that from the verse? Um, because our body is made from the dust and our soul of life is given by Hashem. Wow. So we're made up of two components, a composite. Adam is made up of dirt and he's made up of a divine soul, a spark, a breath of God. Beautiful. So what's that, what does that mean about the meaning of life? Perhaps the meaning of life is to synthesize the two, to learn to live in harmony with the two things that want very different things. Body wanting earthly, physical things, wanting to go back to where it came from. The soul wanting to go back to where it came from, to unity, to oneness of God. So perhaps the meaning of life is to learn to direct the physical or to infuse the physical with spirituality, or to uplift the physical. All right, great. What else? Ladies, you're also welcome to uh, participate. Unless you want to wait till the guys have had their turn, then you can knock them out again. Jacob, what do you got? Uh, I had a question that was bothering me more. Yeah, what's your question? So Hashem says, he says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and bad, you must not eat thereof, for on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. But if he's the first person out there, he doesn't know what death is. 
Oh, no, we we learned that because actually the the dust part, right? That doesn't it go back into the ground? You know, we came from the ground. We. But he's never experienced or seen death. He doesn't know what death is. Yeah. Oh, like he personally doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so then, why, if he doesn't know what it is, why is he afraid of eating of the tree if he doesn't know what death is? Yeah. Okay, maybe there was some, uh, maybe there was some oral commentary there going on also that wasn't written down. Pretty good. But, maybe uh, maybe he's kind of scared, though. I mean, how did he understand any words? <laughs> like, you can ask the question, how did he understand uh, eat? <laughs> What's eat mean? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe also the point is, you know, you know, God gives us a commandment. So the point is not to be afraid of the punishment. The point is that God knows what's good or bad. So you just have to listen. You do what God says because you realize that God knows better than you. Okay. Right? That doesn't answer the question I'm saying. But living things understand death. Animals understand death. Intrinsically, but, we're draw- intrinsically, we know that death is bad. If an animal never saw a human, and you would just come up to it, and you could use a spear and kill it. <laughs> but then they see it, they adapt to it. And they run away. But intrinsically, all living things are born with, with a drive to live and a drive to survive. That's, Dar- that's Darwin's theory, survival of the fittest, that living things that are created that don't want to survive, don't. <laughs> the ones that make it are the ones that have a drive intrinsically to survive. But, uh, okay, but let's stay focused. We only have a few more minutes. It's already late. Themes. What do we got? What's the meaning of life? Ladies? Anyone? Should be alone. Not to be alone. Yeah. Wow. You can't be. You can't be whole. You can't be whole until you meet your mate. Oh. You can't be whole until you make your mate. Meet your mate. Very good. Not only is it not only is it created not to be alone. What else is Adam created to be? If we look at that verse about being alone. A provider. A provider. Okay. To be a helper. A partner. A partner. What else? Why is it? Why should a person not be alone? Because he needs to create babies. <laughs> we learned that one last week. I mean, a few minutes ago. What What does the Torah say? The Torah actually says why a person shouldn't be alone. Okay, to leave your parents' house is part of is also part of the purpose. To become independent right. of your creator. It says it in the a few words before where, where it. Where are you doing the God says why why a person shouldn't be alone. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. So by that, what is a purpose of life? To be together. Good. Good! To be good. Part of the purpose of life is to be good. <laughs> You get it? And one of the definitions of good is not being alone. So definition of goodness is togetherness, connection. Very good. What else? Any other themes? Anyone? Are we ready to tie, tie this together? Jacob, you have anything else to add? No. Ari? Aaron? Rabbi? What's up? <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'll, I'll just tell you some of the things I came up with. Okay. We're created in the image of God. So purpose of life is somehow to be like God, to be God-like. Right? We're created to rule over the, over the universe, but to also not destroy the universe, to be a vegetarian. To be fruitful and multiply, to recreate. 
to pray. This one you would have only gotten if you looked in my commentary. But it says that when Adam was created, there was no trees yet and there was no grass yet because it hadn't yet rained. Why? Because there was no man to work the soil. So Rashi says, because without man to pray for rain, there was no rain. So man has to, is like the, the linchpin to bring it all together, to bring the rain and make, get the system really going. So the world is created in potential. Only when Adam comes, this thing actually start to sprout. So to, 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 to work the land is one of our purposes. And then get, Adam was put in the garden to do what? No one caught this? Why was Adam put in the garden? It says it in the Torah, what his purpose is. To guard and to work the garden. His job is to somehow cultivate this garden. And as the commentaries point out, to guard means to not do the things he's not supposed to do, to keep the negative commandments, and to work is to do the positive commandments. Right? And what were those commandments when he was put in the, in the garden? What commandments was he given? To rule over. Not, don't eat from the tree. She, she, she knows Don't eat from the tree. That was his negative commandment. Don't eat from the tree. And what was his positive commandment when he was put in that garden? Be fruitful and multiply. After that, this week, this, after that, this, this second chapter, the second chapter, don't eat from the tree, and, but eat the other trees to eat the fruit. Enjoy the world. Enjoy the world. Yeah, that's really the first mitzvah. First mitzvah. To eat. Her, who is a and there are those who say, had he eaten the fruit, had he eat the thing he did wrong was not that he ate the wrong fruit, it's that he didn't eat the right fruit. He didn't eat the right fruit? Yeah. All right. Not to be alone. This, this is the story of humanity. To be good, to attach himself to another person, to find his other half, to complete himself, to help Another person. To eat. And ultimately, and another thing that we mentioned is to name the animals. He was, he was actually, he became the person that names the animals. So I want to tie this together a little bit. Oh, he has an active role in creation. So let me tell you a little bit. Uh, now I'm just going to speak and I'll try to tie together in the next uh, three minutes. Okay. What, is, what does Adam mean? What does Adam mean? Adama, dirt. Dirt. Adam is called dirt. Why in the world is Adam called dirt? That's his name? His name is dirt. That's where he came from. That's where he came That's from. That's how we name people. Where he came from. Let me tell you something amazing about dirt. Dirt is whatever you make of it. Right? If you call someone a dirt bag, what you're saying is that he's just a, he's a ba- bag of dirt. He's done nothing with his dirt. But if you call someone a lush garden, right? same dirt. What's the difference between a lush garden and a dirt bag? It's, what's the difference? The person who worked their garden, who weeded their dirt, who cultivated their dirt, turns that dirt into a lush oasis. Oh, a blank slate. A garden of Eden. Person, dirt, what dirt means is potential. It's potential. If you refine yourself, if you work on yourself, you can give forth incredible fruit. Right? A person, like we said, was created last in creation. His body was created last. His soul was created first. If we learn to cultivate the soul, to bring the soul into the body, then the body gives forth incredible fruit. The body enables us to do incredible things in this world that only human beings are capable of. The only being that possesses both body and soul. 
that has the ability to take spirituality into physicality. But if we don't cultivate our spirituality and we live just like an animal, then we are essentially worse than animals because they don't have free will, and yet we do with, use our free will to choose to do the same things that they do, which is go after their immediate selfish pleasures. So we can either be the greatest thing in creation or the lowest thing in creation. Another thing that Adam means, Rashi points out, is it comes, it's similar to the word similar. Dome. Rashi says, because Adam is Dome Elion. He's similar to the Creator, to the Infinite, to the Supreme, to the Sublime. Adam has the ability to be similar to God. So, how do we become similar to God? So, by creating. Excellent. So, there's a couple of ways we can look similar to God. And the the, com- the commentaries basically bring down three different expressions of the, cre- the purpose of creation in, in, uh, in Jewish sources. And one of them is to become God-like. We already are God-like in possessing free will and intellect and speech. But to become God-like truly means to utilize those powers to refine ourselves, to emulate God. Domela Elion, right? This is called imatio... Imatatio du... Deo. Deo. Sorry, I was French. I learned French, not Latin. <laughs> to imitate God. And, and that means to, to refine our character traits. And that's like we mentioned, that the per, one of the purposes of this book is to learn how to be, how to emulate the forefathers and to emulate God. So in spirituality, right, the goal is to become close to God. How do you become close to the infinite? You're always infinitely far. So the answer is in spirituality, closeness means similarity. The way I become close to you on an intellectual realm is not by being close to you. We can be standing in the same space and be infinitely far intellectually. The way we become close intellectually is by learning to emulate each other, learning to think in the same terms, learning to connect intellectually. Are there so, any connections that people see between this and math? Because it seems like an asymptote. Uh, who? An asymptote that you can't cross. What's an asymptote? You can become like God, but you can never become God. You can, that's, that's true. We can, all we can do is get closer to the infinite, but we can never be the infinite. But God created the world to give us the opportunity to get closer to being like Him. So one way to do that is by refining ourselves. Number two... We do that by becoming like God. What is God ultimately? What is God's role with the universe? What is God's ultimate relationship to us? Creators. Creator and? Father, King. Father, giver. Giver. God's role. But isn't he also like the mother? I, just, <laughs> I, heard that. I wrote an article about that. You can look on h.com and read my article about... Why we refer to God more as a father than a mother? Because really, mother seems more apropos. Because God created us. So, but not for now. But as as a as a giver, to learn to be a giver, and we see that that's one of the roles of Adam to become good, as the Zohar says, "Tachlis Hatov Lahetiv." That if you want to really be good, what do you have to do? Good. If you want to be good, you got to do good. It's not enough to be good unless you do good. So that's one of the reasons that God created the world is to do good. It is not good to be alone. Why? Because if you're alone, you can't do good. 
So one of the reasons that God created the world is in order to mm. be good. In order to do that, he has to give good. So the commentaries explain that the purpose of creation is to do good, is to become a giver. And ultimately that God created the world in order to give the greatest good to us. What's the greatest good that God could give us? No, if you live alone in a hut in the woods, you can't do good. But you yeah. can do good with lots of other people besides your spouse, right? You can't do a mitzvah in a vacuum. Oh, you can't do a mitzvah in a vacuum. Excellent. Is that true? Right. I mean, you could do certain mitzvahs between us and God because you're never in a vacuum, right? Because right. God fills if all space. If you're the last person on earth, can you, can you do a mitzvah? You can still yeah. put on tefillin. You can still pray. You can make a blessing. You just can't do good with others, right? So... God created the world to, do, to give us the ultimate good, which is what? What's the ultimate good? Experience of himself. Experience of oneness. Experience of connection. So we're in this world to get the ultimate possible pleasure, which we saw also that Adam's created to eat the fruit, to enjoy life, but in, to enjoy it as a mitzvah, which is a, an act of connection. The word mitzvah means connecting, connection, literally. It's a commandment, but it also means a connection because mitzvahs are allow us to do divine actions, to reveal God in the world. So we have, so far we have two expressions of why God created the world. We have um, the, the, um, the, the Talmud, which says to become God-like. To become God-like. We have the Ramchal, who says to receive the greatest possible pleasure. And then we have the Talmud, uh, the, the Tanya, which is quoting also uh, something from the Talmud, which says to create a dwelling place for God in this world. God wants to be here. He wants to be revealed in the world. And we do that through mitzvahs, through prayer, by bringing, through, by bringing God into the world. That's working the land. So mitzvahs give us the ability, opportunity to actually give to God. God doesn't need anything. He tells us, I want you to do this. Why? So we can have the opportunity to be a giver even to God. So... Let's take a look. So just in summary, purpose of life is to receive the greatest possible pleasure, which is infinite connection to infinity to oneness. Ultimate pleasure. How do we do that? By perfecting ourselves and perfecting the world. In doing so, becoming godlike. So we have to emulate God. We have to create. We have to create. We have to become creators. So let's look at the first mitzvah and see the paradigm for all of these points. The very first mitzvah in the Torah... Be fruitful and multiply. What do we get from that? What is the most godlike thing a human being can ever do? Create. Create, create life. Create. What is happening in the process of procreation? You are literally doing what? Being God. Being God. How? What are you doing? Creating. Creating what? Life. What's the definition of life? Goodness. Definition of life. You guys got to know this. We have it right here. We just learned. Definition of life. Adam is made up of two different parts. Material and soul. Material, body, and divine soul. Definition of life is coming together of body and soul. Definition of human human life is the coming together of physicality and spirituality. Not all life. Animals are also made up of a spiritual component, but not the same. It doesn't talk about that. Right. So Adam, so in the process of procreation, we're bringing spirituality into physicality. And ultimately, the Torah says right here, it's for 
each man and woman to come back together in unity, to become like one flesh, to bring together that which was separate, to learn to give to another person, to learn to put another person's needs before yours. So we literally see in this first mitzvah, all three of these components, revealing God in the physical, bringing spirituality into physicality, becoming God-like by creating, bringing spirituality and physicality, and learning to emulate God by, by giving to another person. So we should all be blessed on this, to go on this journey together of opening up the Torah and exploring it in the realm of what does the Torah tell me about how to live my life, how the mitzvahs can help me to refine myself, to perfect myself and perfect the world, and develop a, a deeper connection to the Creator. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back live next Wednesday at 8 p.m. And I'll see you guys 9 p.m., 8 p.m. next Thursday. All right, guys? Oh. Stop that. And you guys can question...